right. Well, first of all, thank you guys for sitting down and talking with me. I'm really, really excited to talk to you guys. I spent all week binging and catching up on your guys' show. I mean, as far as They Might Be Giants podcasts go, ours is the easiest one to catch up on. <laughs> it, yeah, it took me uh, probably five days as opposed to the other ones, which took me like three weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you for the brevity, at least. Um all right, and for those who don't know your podcast, would you like to introduce yourselves? I'm Trevor Ickrath, one of the two hosts of uh, Giants uh, Confirmed, of the Map of Giants fancast. And I'm Matt, I'm, yeah, and I'm Matt Rivera, the other host of Giants Confirmed. <laughs> All right, and I think the first question to start with, the most basic question, also for people who haven't listened to your guys' show, is how did you get into They Might Be Giants? <laughs> Well, I would say I initially got into their music via uh, one of my friends giving me a compilation back when I was in like high school or middle school. Uh, it was like the user's guide. But I got into like the band itself on like a deeper level once I discovered oh, yeah. uh, this might be a wiki, the like online database of like lyrics and trivia and histories of all their songs. For me, it was like uh, I was on a fan forum for the band Lemon Demon. Uh, so music by Neil Cesariga, a guy who made the ultimate showdown, Potter Puppet Pals, uh, Brody Quest, a lot of really like seminal web videos. <laughs> and, and yeah, and of course, his mashup, mashup albums, which are his like most recent popular thing. Um, and of course, like there is a huge crossover between the, the fandom of that band and They Might Be Giants. So basically everyone on the forum already listened to them. Um, I also my first They Might Be Giant CD was User's Guide. <laughs> Um, that was the first one I, I grabbed. And then from there, I ended up uh, grabbing all the other albums eventually. And uh, Trevor was the one who approached me with the idea of doing the podcast because he knew I'd been like really into the band for a while. And he wanted to like kind of approach it from a, a longtime fan, newer fan dichotomy. So that's the that's the kind of energy we go for with the with the podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. And. And I like how there's Classic like format. been t- two albums that I've noticed that most people or actually three albums that get everyone into it. It's either Flood, User's Guide or um, then the early years. Yeah, it's always those three. Pretty much. Flood was definitely the first like studio album that I appreciated, too. Yeah. Yeah, same. I'm a I'm a big Lincoln fan. So oh, yeah, Link- Lincoln's always one. my number one. So. Yeah, it's just so good. It's perfect. I have friends I've been trying to get into They Might Be Giants and unsuccessfully. And I always just say, just listen to Lincoln first, please. Mm-hmm. And then they never do. Or they listen to one song and they're like, I don't know how I feel about this. What, did they start on Santa's beard? I No, they start on the world's address and it goes all downhill from Oh, there. no. <laughs> yeah. I just, I always yeah, think I of one. trying to get people into Lincoln always just reminds me of the anecdote from the uh, the 33 and a third book about neutral milk hotels in the airplane over the sea. Um, mm-hmm. So Julian Coster, who has played singing software, they might be giants before. Every time it was mm-hmm. his turn to pick music, he'd put on Lincoln and the entire rest of the band hated it. And so, so he would just though. listen to it every it's... single, every single time it was his turn in this four person band, he would throw on Lincoln. So every four CDs they listened to was Lincoln. I mean, and that's I how think I, I played. <laughs> I mean, I const. I think I play Lincoln like in its entirety at least three times a week. So it's like one of those things that's already etched into my oh, head. Yeah. And I tried playing Purple Toupee for my friend, and she just kind of went like, "Yeah, this seems like some weird shit you'd be into," and then just dismissed it. Yeah, <laughs> but do you guys remember like your sort of initial reaction? to They Might Be Giants? Oh, Trevor, I'll let you go first I mean, my on this initial, one. <laughs> my initial reaction, like, I mean, I probably the first time I heard them, I didn't even know I was hearing them because the first time I heard them was definitely, like, Malcolm in the Middle or, like, one of the one of the Tiny Toons mm-hmm. uh, segments. But I, I definitely, like, remember, like, hearing those songs and those cartoons and enjoying them. I guess they never, like, really spurred me to go check out who was the author of them. But, I mean, positive reactions for sure. Yeah, for me, it would have also probably been Malcolm in the Middle. Not only the the theme song, but also just like they did the incidental music for like the whole first season. Uh, some original right. stuff, some of their like existing songs. Um, 
I, I know I don't think I ever really saw the Tiny Toons stuff as a kid, just, you know, different channels up in Canada. So I don't think it came up quite as often. Um, but I do remember seeing the music video for uh, Boss of Me on Much Music, MTV equivalent. And uh, it, it's like, you know, it features, you know, people from Malcolm in the Middle. So I was like, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But for me, it was mostly like I was getting into them from the perspective of being someone who primarily listened to music from video games until I was on the forum for Lemon Demon and was like, you know, being introduced to other stuff. And there was a point where like my iTunes library was two thirds, either they might be giants or Lemon Demon. Like that's just that it's basically where I started listening to music on my own. That wasn't like coming from the radio, coming from my older siblings, anything like that. It was the first time I'd really branched out on my own. So it's like, I don't even have like a, a reaction perspective because it was just like, it was formative. It was where I started listening to music. So it's almost like everything that I've listened to since is in reaction to having listened to the MMB Giants first. It was kind it's of in- like, a, um, like a comet crashing. Yeah, kind <laughs> it of. It sounds like... <laughs> It's interesting that so many people get exposed to them as young children through those cartoons and stuff like that. Because I feel like even when I returned to the band like later as a teen, like getting like the compilation and stuff, I remember a distinct feeling that I maybe wasn't old enough to appreciate it. Like there was a kind of like postmodern element to it that I was able to recognize at that point. And it would not be until like I would get more into the band as an adult that I like really fully appreciated that, I think. Oh, yeah. Which isn't to say like that their stuff can't be enjoyed by all ages. That's like one of the great things about it. There are levels to it. Yeah, that's what I think. Like thinking of something like uh, like like use Purple Toupee as an example, since it's already come up. Um, It just sounds like a song with silly lyrics when you're a kid and you're not getting like the myriad of like broken pop culture references they're making in that song. I'm glad that I figured Absolutely. out I'm glad I figured out that Chinese people were fighting in the park was about the Vietnam War because that line always kind of made me uncomfortable <laughs> before because it just seems like exactly. a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, I heard it the first time because I didn't hear anything off of Lincoln when I was younger. Like I'm still like I'm still pretty fresh hearing it now as like an adult. So I kind of got some of the pop culture references, but I was like, well, no, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> it just perplexed me. But um, they're definitely, all, even in their kids' albums, because, I mean, I never heard those growing up. I'm a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I heard them in uh, Malcolm in the Middle and definitely uh, their Disney theme song stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Coraline, which when Linnell did that solo... But um, it even then, when I first heard that, it still always struck me as like really postmodern and kind of odd. Like I like that they kind of have that element in every single. Like that's an element that's never been lost on them. Yeah, because they they like follow a a, a a strong breadth of musical styles. Like they're kind of all over the place stylistically. But I feel like lyrically, mm-hmm. they're always they're always on some weird postmodern shit. <laughs> It's yeah, very and, deep. And, and as fun, like breezy sometimes as their material can be, they really are a band that I think are like best appreciated when like you sit down with them, like in an academic sense. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what we all that's what we all podcast about, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a, the biggest like research study program, but it's like all about one band. Yeah, exactly. And do you guys... And before you guys kind of do your episodes, which are just primarily dissections of the albums, do you do any like prior research or anything or do you just kind of like listen to it and then go into the album? We we take like a two pronged approach to it. I feel like I'm like a more recent fan. So a lot of it is like coming at me for the first time. And I find that it helps me to like spend a lot of time like going through the wiki and like reading about these songs. Whereas Matt, who's like lived with them for a longer period of time, he's like been exposed to all that trivia over the course of years and years. So it's all buried in there and he can like draw it when he needs it. So I don't think he spends quite as much time preparing for the episodes. No, I I definitely, I kind of go into it. I I'll do one, maybe two listens. If it's one of the shorter albums, Um, I will at least run through the trivia pages uh, the trivia sections of each of the songs on the wiki. Uh, and also I'll spend a lot of time on the interpretations page, which has always been like one of my favorite parts of the They Might Be Giants wiki. Um, because 
people have a lot of weird ideas of what the songs are about. And I really like to explore that because like the, the Johns say themselves, it's like they have a certain intention when writing a song, but they're very strong proponents of like, you know, death of the author, read whatever you want into the songs that you're, you're listening to. Any interpretation is valid. And uh, people really run mm-hmm. with that one. <laughs> I mean, the whole interpretations page on any song is like a wormhole. I mean, it's a wormhole on like general song lyrics and like unlike genius and stuff like that. Like uh, another one of my podcasts where I just we listen to we we listen to albums that were. I mean, me and me and Trevor both have different podcasts where we listen to albums that were reviewed well or poorly by Pitchfork. <laughs> we have two different mm, podcasts that, like that, that. that kind of go at the same <laughs> angle there. Um, that's that's one of my favorite facts about us as a duo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, yeah, the, like going on the genius pages for those is always a trip. But I think there's something just particular about one, they might be Giants fans in general. And two, the fact that the wiki's been online for like well over 15 years at this point, which is much longer than like any song lyrics website has existed. Um, like that, yeah, the, the band's wiki exists, like has existed longer than many like bands themselves have existed. Yeah, like the band's point. wiki is like it was like a Wikipedia fork on like the earliest editions of like the media wiki software. The fact that it works so well is just like basically a, te- a testament to how good the webmasters are. Uh, capital Q and the crew around it. Uh, they might be giants. Uh, this might be a wiki. They, they've been it's in the same team, same core team the whole time, and they do a really good job just like making sure it works. It's yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine archiving all that information because I mean, I've only think I've made it like through 40 percent of the wiki. Like I haven't even gone through the entire thing yet. And it's even then it's already like an information yeah. overload between so that and the uh, between that and the miscellaneous t facebook page i'm still finding out about bootlegs like there there's bootlegs that i've just never known existed until someone will bring them up in the uh in the facebook group or post about it on the wiki like there's there's so much out there like it's it's really a band that encourages that kind of archival listening not only just because they've been around for so long, but because they've have so many alternate routes of material, like dial a song. People are still digging up old dial a song stuff from people who recorded it on their telephones with like a vacuum microphone, like recording on an old, like analog telephone set, recording the songs off of the, like in the early nineties, like the technology was around for that. And like, people have had these kind of archives, like before the internet was big. Like having these kind of like having these kind of files handy in like an analog format, which is nuts. Like the archivists for They Might Be Giants predate the Internet, basically. Yeah, they uh, it's like it's so unfathomable how much I mean, when you guys were like getting into the band, did you feel some sort of like information overload? Because it's like you have the studio releases, you have bootlegs and then you have like. It's like a, it's like an onion almost. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so many layers of music. I'm, I'm glad that I got into them. Like it was a little bit before the else, which is like their longest studio album gap, which was from the spine in 2004 to the else in 2007. It's the only time they've gone longer than two years. As far as I know, without like any kind of re- release. Actually, no, one of the children's albums was in there. I'm wrong. There was a different spot, <laughs> but it was their longest non children's album gap. I think. Don't fact check me. Someone- yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a little overwhelming, but there's also like, you know, a thrilling aspect to mm-hmm. it too, that there's always going to be more stuff to dig into. Yeah, especially since they became like ludicrously prolific in the last like five years. Um with yeah, the two with the cool two dialogue songs. I could go on, it, it's cool knowing that I could go on like a month's, even year long, they might be giant binge and then kind of put them down for a while and there will still be tons of new material for me to check out and that I've never heard before like when I eventually feel like going back yeah for sure there's always new stuff to find because they're always putting stuff out yeah it's like I can't I just imagine them having like like a Dr. Seuss like factory where they just like throw ideas in a thing and it's always going on going and going and going yeah, like I, I've I've always wanted to know like what their editing process is like because it really seems like if they're throwing anything out, how do they even put out this much material? I just want to know what like the inside of their brains are like. <laughs> honestly, you get a little <laughs> idea like of one... plans, but not too much. No, just from his posting on like, social media. Like... Oh, he loves I posting imagine, on social media. I imagine Flansburg's brain is like a wacky cartoon and Linnell's is more like some kind of abstract painting or something. 
Yeah. That's what he wants you to think too. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's like the great he's like the greatest manipulator. I'm gonna make you think this thing that, about me that's not true, or is it? <laughs> exactly. He likes to he needs to he retain his mystery. I know, and that's what's so appealing. Do you think there's like that sort of mysterious element to they might be giants, and that's kind of also why they're so like appealing? Definitely, because I mean, as evidenced by like all the different interpretations on the wiki, like it's so hard to figure out sometimes exactly what they're getting at. And that's like a big part of the appeal too. I think to a certain point, they're just kind of like weird guys that kind of, they, they kind of just struck a, they, they struck a chord with the right kind of people and they've managed to be allowed to continue being weird guys for going on like 35, 40 years. I guess it's, yeah, it's, we're getting up there in numbers. But like, yeah, they're just, they're just, now they're weird dads. <laughs> <laughs> they went from like weird art students to like grumpy, weird Brooklyners. And now they're just grump, like one grumpy old man and one grumpy dad. Yeah. They're, they're, they're grumpy senior <laughs> and- citizens. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, they are senior citizens, technically. Um, and besides like that sort of element of mystery, because they keep everything pretty vague mm-hmm. do you also think like the more humorous leaning at like elements that could be like leaning to towards humor do you also think that's kind of like another appealing factor that draws people into the band yeah and i think it definitely kind of humanizes like the more like oblique elements of their music and makes it a lot more accessible than it would be otherwise i do like there's one thing about a band like doing all this weird stuff and making all these weird references but like there's something that makes it go down a lot easier if they can also make you laugh at the same time i do know it rubs them the wrong way when you refer to them as a novelty band or even refer to them as a comedy band it's not really a scene that they seem to feel particularly comfortable with mostly because i think just totally totally understandable yeah well it's like i they're 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 art school kids right that's like that that's the milieu Mm -hmm. that they that they kind of find themselves in but what happened is like they didn't really end up with the art school kids as far as the people who like their music a lot <laughs> like i feel like i feel like they they if they didn't continue getting play on dr demento they definitely did in the early years and there's definitely comparisons to weird al that have been made that i i don't think they found very flattering when they happened but i think they've kind of grown with now like the like the weird al they might be giant style parody everything you know is wrong i'm i'm pretty sure there was a lot of anecdotes about it having rubbed them the wrong way when it first came out mhm cuz i think i remember flan saying like i don't want to listen to that like it, like it made him like kind of uncomfortable yeah. from that was the vibe i kind of got from what he said i just i always ask cuz like I show people my age who are all like art school kids, they might be giants, and they mostly either like laugh at it or think it's like, for lack of a better term, lame. <laughs> and so, and I mean, what you got to know about art school have, kids is that none of them are actually cool. They all like to think they're that, very yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the other thing. Once they all get over <laughs> themselves, they'll be into they might be giants. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and, um,. What's like in your guys' opinion, like the worst label you've kind of seen attached to them over the years? Because some of them are pretty bad. Definitely like nerd rock, nerd core. Not a fan dork of that. Dork rock. Yeah, dork rock. I've I've listened to enough nerd core that I can't fully de- gen- denigrate it as a genre. As embarrassing as that is to admit, um, <laughs> I think the worst thing that I could see them labeled with is people who like associate them primarily with like you know basement dwelling incel nerd tropes which i don't think is anything that particularly sticks to them lately but something that might have been more common in like the 90s and maybe like the early 2000s i've never seen that labeled attached to them yeah it's it's, it's because like that that's primarily like that's the kind of label that you'd attach to music that 4chan's really into now um but i feel like the time that (laughs) they would have fit that mold would have been pre 4chan. I actually, I can see that. I just never, I never heard that. I just think dork rock's really bad because it's like, that's so vague. And that, I think it's kind of condescending to dork rock, Mm -hmm. geek rock, anything of that, of that ilk, mostly because they don't identify with it themselves. Because like, if you called Jonathan Colton geek rock, you'd be like, yeah, I wrote two songs for Portal 
Of course I'm geek rock. Like, <laughs> And even calling them a novelty act, because the thing is, is whenever I listen to They Might Be Giants, I always just think, like, just there's, you can tell there's, like, so much dedication put into every single piece mm-hmm. of a song that you're like, this isn't a novelty. Like, they, like, they're having fun with it, but it's like... You know, they're taking it very... It's almost, like, too seriously constructed to be taken as a novelty. The only way I could see you coming to that conclusion is if the first two songs you heard were Istanbul and How Why Does the Sun Shine? Because those have such... Because both of those songs were written in the 50s. So... <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, I heard Istanbul... I didn't hear it until I was 18. And, um... I mean, I even still thought, I'm like, this is, like, kind of cool. You know? Oh, yeah, like, totally This whips. is, like, novelty. <laughs> it, yeah, and then it's, like, you got a dude yodeling in the background, and it's Flansburg, and then you see him do it live, and it's, like, even better. And then they start screaming whenever they play it live. Oh, yeah. Which... And they have that, like, extended guitar intro that Danny Miller and uh, Danny Weinkoff do. Oh, and it's so good. Yeah, electric it's Istanbul. So good. I'm really glad they put that on a, on a studio release. Is that the one where they did it with the speak and spell? I think the so. Intro? Either way, any any alt versions of songs that they do live. I mean, like, that's why you're going to the shows, right? You want to hear the weird shit. If they just played the hits every time, then people wouldn't go to... People wouldn't... Like, I have so many friends that just follow their tours around. Yeah, yeah I think when have I saw you... them do Istanbul, they sang it like pirates. Like, they turned it into a sea shanty or something. And I think a couple of times they've done them with the pup. They've done that song with the puppets, too. Mm-hmm. How many times have you guys seen them live? Uh, I've only seen them once. I did have a ticket to go see them late 2020 before the pandemic kicked off, but I don't know when that's going to happen now. Yeah, it's like I'm glad the the 2020 shows all got delayed because I didn't get tickets to any of them yet uh, because I wasn't sure if I was able to get anywhere like when when it was still like a possibility that I could go somewhere in 2020. Um, And I, I, you know, kind of delayed it enough times and then they all recently just got delayed again because they were originally just delayed till the fall. But now they've just been pushed entirely to the unknown future. Um, but let's see. I saw them for the first time in Detroit in 2011. Uh, I saw them after that in the end of 2012. I saw them twice because they were playing a run of three shows uh, running up to New Year's at Music Hall of Williamsburg. And then I saw them in Toronto two times i think I, I i don't know why i can't remember this right now but i'm pretty sure i've seen them in toronto twice because <laughs> they actually come through canada now because when i first got into the band uh the only show that they played in ontario was at a 19 plus bar and i was 16 so there was no way i could get into that one and then the next time they played in canada was a free show in like 2012 for one of their children's albums and i was working during the it was during the day and i was working like four hours north of there so i couldn't go to that either so their first proper show they played in ontario again i was right there and then i will go see them anytime they come into ontario since Mm -hmm. yeah i'm still like waiting to see them for the first time and when you guys saw them for the first time was it like a was it like something that got you even more into the oh, band? And like, I was already someone who was traveling several hours to see them across a, across a border. So like <laughs> the, there was already a pretty high level of dedication there. I enjoyed the show that I saw, but it happened during my like mid period of being like a fan of they might be giants, but not into them to the point where I would start a podcast about them. And I just kind of like had a positive experience and I was like, yeah, that was a cool concert. I just really like that. They don't, they just, they mostly play without openers and functionally open for themselves. You just get like a really long set of what you pay for. That's something that just, I really appreciate in my older age where I can't just like be at a show for like four hours while three different bands play. Or else, Your patience is just no, zero. No, my feet, my feet get will start it. hurting. If it's not a seated show, I just want to go home. <laughs> uh, but the first time I saw them, uh, they actually did have an opener, and it was uh, Jonathan Colton. Oh, that sounds fun. I love Jonathan and Colton, And actually, too. I, you know what? The the New Year's shows in, at Music Hall of Williamsburg also had openers. I unfortunately, I, I got to see two of the openers. One of them was Cornmo, and the other was... Um, Whatever Flansburg's wife's band's name is. I don't know what they're called, but it's Flans' wife's band. Um, 
I missed the New Year's Eve show because I was somewhere else at the time. And that's when Moon Hooch played. And I'm really mad I missed them because they're apparently like the most legendary They Might Be Giants opener at this point. Like people will respond more to that music than to They Might Be Giants. And you know how They Might Be Giants fans are. (laughs) (laughs) That must make them really <laughs> they they're they're so good and i haven't actually managed to see them live yet but i, I feel like they'd be an incredible experience because you know like if they're picking an opener they're really serious about that opener because otherwise it's like exactly. they won't have one they'll just tour on their own because they can mm-hmm. and with doing a podcast about they might be giants do you feel like your love adoration whatever you'd like to call it has changed or like increased decreased just like how has it changed if you think it has since starting the podcast every time we review an album my appreciation of it like grows in leaps and bounds like something we do at the end of every episode is like i provide like an abbreviated track list of the record we've discussed where i like i kind of trim the fat and just like break it down like a 10 track thing but like after we record and have like spent all this time like going through these songs i like return to the albums and i find it difficult to cut anything like i i can't imagine them without like all these songs Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't even Mm -hmm. cut you'll miss me from lincoln at this point like that's where i'm at with my appreciation sure enough like that's dedication (laughs) But like uh, for me, and sure enough, like uh, every every time we like uh, review an album, there's always like every episode, there is a song that I go on record as like not really enjoying and saying I would cut. And then like the day after the episode comes out, I like am in love with that song and like can't <laughs> literally stand just to, like, from doing the clip in the edit. That. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. For me, it's like when we were doing the episodes more regularly, I think I was in like a really high period of my life for the band. I think I've kind of leveled off a bit just because at this point in my life, I'm just not listening to music as much. Like I've just become like a really, really avid podcast listener, which has, you know, changed my consumption habits a little bit when it comes to music. But like, there'll always be something that's like really, there'll always be really like important for me as like a really formative band. And like, I'll go back and listen to stuff. I have them on, I have so much other stuff on vinyl that I can just spin on the record player anytime. There's a, they might be giants poster directly behind me right now saying that says science is real on it. Love that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm unfortunately not also wearing a they might be giants shirt to go with that, but that's because uh, I'm unemployed. And so I'm wearing a very, very comfy, comfy pajama shirt instead. I feel that <laughs> so hard. And I also like that you said that you'd want to cut the song from the album and then you go back and listen to it and enjoy it. And that reminded me when I was talking to um, Greg from This Might Be a Podcast, I think I said that I just despised Particle Man. Just think it's so like such an obnoxious song. And then I listened to it like a week later and I went, damn it, why did I go on the record with that? The group yeah. Yeah. I really like it. I, I think the last big one that I turned around on was like Snail Shell. Like we, we did the uh, John Henry episode and I was like, I don't really like this song that much. I don't get it. And then like uh, uh, our, our guest Dave like went in this great interpretation of it. And like ever since I've been like, oh, this is an essential They Might Be Giant single. Like it belongs on any best of they would ever issue for sure. It's, that's such a good There's song. There's so much I've, they do I've on that track. That song. That's like... Because, you know, the, the whole thing about that being the first album with a live band on it. And they're like, we're not going to just waste this. We're going to get vocal effects in there. We're going to get like horns in there. We're going to get like drum sounds that are panning across the stereo. We're going to get weird with it. And then we're going to make our first single a song called fucking Snail Shell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, I respect that and artistry. And are like, yes. <laughs> I didn't realize until listening to guys' show that SEXXY was such like a controversial song in the, in the fan group. I didn't realize. Oh my god! I at all when I like because I think that song is on user's guide, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's like on most of the comps. Which like that always has blown me away as a decision. <laughs> it's such a weird one. Well, it was the debut single. It was the opener for the album. Yeah, it's a it's a strange pick. It's a strange pick. I, I I've always liked that song. I know it's like I know it's not cool, but that's why I like it. Well, yeah, that's, I think <laughs> I think we said in the episode it was the, it was one of the least cool things they've ever made. 
And that's that's saying a lot yeah. for a band that has a 50s novelty song about the sun that, that's in their regular repertoire. And has a song that absolutely kills about manatees. I mean... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when you talk to, like, other people who maybe are, like, somewhat familiar with They Might Be Giants or don't know them, how do you, like... This is going to be very tough, so I apologize. How do you kind of describe them? Like, do you have, like, an elevator pitch? Hmm. I definitely, like, tend to throw around the phrase, like, postmodern a lot. Recently, I found myself comparing them a lot to Steely Dan, which will, like, make sense to some people and not make sense to others. But they're just, you know, a duo of, like, very talented musicians and songwriters kind of doing something artsy and postmodern and approaching songwriting and music appreciation from like a different angle. Now I'm trying to imagine they might be giants doing dirty work. And I really, really like the idea of they might be giants doing dirty work. So awesome. (laughs) So they they have, they have so many, they they have their divorce anthems. Now they just need to get the cheating anthems in there. And the Coke anthems. And the Coke anthems. (laughs) And then one of them needs to write, like, a super, super obnoxious autobiography about how he doesn't like any music past, like, I think, like, 1975 or something like that. Oh, perfect. I I feel like that's, like, that is such a character that Flans would embody perfectly. Like, those are the kind of, like, like, like bastard characters that he's really good at inhabiting for, like, one song. Oh, man. I'm making a petition for Flans to write a song about... Donald Fagan now. I need to hear it. <laughs> perfect. It'd be perfect. Um, I feel like I just end up like I feel like the MB Giants fits a lot more comfortably into like the 90s alt rock scene than like a lot of people who are really into the 90s alt rock scene would admit. Like you could put the MB Giants right next to REM, no problem. Like they they could be the same band. <laughs> they have so much yeah, in I common. I think we talked on uh I think we talked on our Lincoln episode about how like uh, they'll need a crane is basically just like a Smith's song. Yeah. Like right down to like the Johnny Marr guitar part. It's like, yeah, I totally see what you're saying, man. That is a Johnny Marr guitar, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure we said this on the episode, but as, as we will, will frequently say uh, the second we podcast, everything that we say leaves our head like that, that we are actually (laughs) just exercising demons by recording a podcast. You have two demon Johns inside both of you, and you have to just we let have to them let them out free. every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, Podcasting and whatever leaving the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like with a lot of people, I think Greg was saying this. He always kind of just like picks a certain song that's like one of their most well-known songs, and that's how he kind of introduces like other people who maybe don't mm-hmm. know as much about they might be giants. Well, yeah, the, the approach I feel like definitely just depends on like who you're approaching because i i know a lot of people are really like if they're really into something they're just gonna like start throwing it at people but i feel like you have to have a very individualized approach to showing people music or else they're just gonna be like oh it's that weird shit you're into like if you could just if you could just kind of just show if, if you know what they already like you can definitely find something that's similar to that Mm-hmm. So you gotta find that one person who's gonna get hooked on like another first kiss or something. If you want to test how how much they can stand the the nasally vocals, you start them off with bangs. Ooh, you get or you, you get that like, real nasal and... sound in there. You could also just like say fuck it and like go with like boat of car or something <laughs> and be like, this is what all of their songs sound like, despite the fact that this person <laughs> only sings one. on this one. Or you could do, hmm. you could spider. do chess piece face and uh, spider. Spider is any, but yeah, also like any early flans track. Yeah, I mean, I feel like user's guide like actually. User's guide is actually a very good compilation to, like, it examines the like the breadth of their musical styles while also containing like all their main singles. Yeah, because doesn't it's spiders on user's guide. Spiders right? on user's guide, but then also like Doctor Worm and Boss of Me are on there, and those aren't on any studio albums. So like, it's the easiest way to get like two of their like. I, I honestly just show everyone Doctor Worm. If they don't like it, then they just they don't deserve it. If you don't like Doctor, if I you cannot like jam to Doctor Worm, then get the hell out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> they should make a shirt that says that. 
I, I'll make my own shirt. I always, <laughs> I always say, because um, I'm 20, so it's... <laughs> I always have to go with a um, hot dog from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I go, yeah, this is my favorite band. And that usually pulls the weirdest looks. Yeah, I mean, it's That's a good like their number one song on streaming, right? I think it's like, I know, not anymore. It's, it's up still. There. It's still Istanbul, but it. Th- I think it was in the top five for a long time. Because like I know stuff what? is way like really high on TikTok because of, or really high on Spotify because of TikTok. I think I remember re- yeah, reading so that recently. It's like it's used in a lot of memes. Yeah, and I think stuff. I think stuff is way is still number three on. That's Spotify. the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Yeah, because I think it's still Istanbul and Birdhouse at number one, and I think Dr. Worm and Particle Man. Dr. Worm is so good. If you ever see them live, just hope they have horns with them, because when they... I I feel like they have Kurt with them almost all the time now. So you're pretty likely to get Dr. Worm if he's there. I checked the set list from the last time they came to Cleveland, which is like the closest city to me, and... um, they they played uh, a song called Nowhere, which is the song I really want to see live. So I'm like, damn it, they're probably not gonna play yeah, this they, time. They, they definitely check the set list now. They'll, they'll they'll try not to repeat songs when they come back. And I mean, did they do any? Because I know they are also known for like just really off the wall covers, mostly picked by Flans. Did they do any covers that stood out to you guys when you saw them live? I'm trying to uh, remember the only, what they. The only did. cover they did was uh, "New York City," if that counts. It definitely counts. Yeah. Um, I I feel like they do like they did like a bunch of like I'll sing like the chorus of this song and then move to another thing within another song and I can't remember what song that is that they do that. Where they just kind of like just do like a, a covers jam almost. But most of the time it's been like, uh, I mean, I could literally pull up the set list from when I've seen them on the, this might be a wiki because I have like all the shows I've been to listed because that's a thing you can do on the wiki, which I love. And I think I've heard them do it for Particle Man, like when Linnell sang the sign by Ace of Base. And I was like, this is the most 90s thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I could. I don't think there's many many covers in the in the sets that I've seen them. Mm. I was just curious because I also know that, like, technically their most favorite famous song is a cover. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I I remember reading about. Um, have you read the the thirty three and a third book about flood? I have not. I, I highly recommend picking it up because those things are only like ten bucks, and you can get them at most record stores. If not, then, you know, Amazon or whatever. Uh, But they have a whole bit about how the reason why they have those covers in the first place is because they were like very early in their career. They only had the self-titled and Lincoln under their belt, both of which are very short albums. Uh, And they had like two and a half hour sets to fill. So they're like, well, we we need a hell of a lot more songs than we currently have. And I just I I, I really think it's it's fascinating the covers that they chose to make the main part of their repertoire. Yeah, because it's like that. It's like, why does the sun shine? Um, I'm struggling to think of other ones right now for some reason. The Bills, yeah. Bills, Bills one. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, Bills, Bills, Bills is recent. And then like New York City was like well after this era, mostly because the song didn't actually come out till 93. Um, they do that the uh, original Chumbawamba song, too. God, Ooh, yeah, they're tough. Really good, cover too. Yeah, that AV club. I hate that great. song, but I love their version. Now we just need um, They Might Be Giants to cover the Chumbo of his Mar- Margaret Thatcher EP. Ooh, no. <laughs> Probably not, but it'd be funny. For some reason, I had like a passing thought that if they just covered like Move Bitch by Ludacris, because I forget what song you said of theirs that was essentially just that song. Oh, I remember this. What one was it? God, why can't I remember this at all? It was either on John John Henry or Apollo. Give me like five seconds. (laughs) Yeah, and then I had the thought, I was like, what if they just did a cover of Move Bitch by Ludacris? Because I feel like that could be amazing with like Flansburg singing. I can't imagine, like I know they've said bitch in songs before, but I can't imagine them saying it that much. (laughs) 
they would they would definitely be doing the censored version yeah so move and then a pause (laughs) i I think it might have been i think it might have been aka driver that's what it was i knew it was yeah i knew it was a song with driving in the title uh good old classic (laughs) nyquil driver (laughs) that's so good and compared to like other bands you enjoy, maybe not on like a similar scale, like how do how do they might be giants stick out when compared to like your other musical tastes? They might be giants like, is like for for yeah, Trevor, you go first. <laughs> I like I, this sounds like a negative thing, but I feel like some of the music I listen to is a little more cooler than they might be giants. Like I grew mm-hmm. up listening to a lot of like, you know, pitchfork approved indie hipster kid shit, uh, which they may be giants is decidedly not. Uh, and maybe yeah, it's God, also they hated like, the oh, else. <laughs> yeah. It, also, a lot of the stuff I listen to is maybe like a little more easy to enjoy on a casual level where as with they might be giants, like I've said, a lot of the stuff that I get out of it is like in an academic sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be giants is like. I, I will even if like the it changes over time, like I might have a different favorite album this week. Um, I might like be listening to another band a little more another week. But like they might be giants. I'll just always call my favorite band because if I'm trying to like think of ranking everything objectively, they just they always just climb to the top of the pile. Like I've seen other bands live more times, but that's mostly because like it's easier to see Canadian bands live when you live in Southern Ontario than it is to see the MMB Giants. Mm-hmm. But like, and I wouldn't say that I proportionally like Born Ruffians two and a half times more than the MMB Giants uh, because I've seen them <laughs> ten times and I've seen the MMB Giants four times. Yeah, I feel like my music taste used to be a lot cooler, and then I got into they might be giants. The thing but. is, is you, you you can also if you if you if you branch out for people who are who are into they might be giants, um, like there's a couple people in the in the miscellaneous tea group, you'll get into some real cool stuff. Like the, there's a lot of uh, crossover between like they might be giants and like '80s post punk, and that's like all XTC. really cool stuff. And that's stuff mm-hmm. that they might be giants were into, and it's stuff that you can get into. I mean, like, if you just follow the thread of uh, of James K. Polk with Julian Coster, you can get into the music tapes, which are pretty cool. And then you can get into the to Neutral Milk Hotel, who are really cool. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did the reverse thing where I got into all the music I was supposed to get into in college and high school. And then now I'm getting into the music I should have gotten into at high school in college. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen. <laughs> Yeah, and I always see them lumped with, and especially because I know Spotify does like that algorithm, al- algorithmic kind of like mix for each user. Yeah, and my they might be giants playlist is always with it's either with comedy rock on like some weeks it'll just be more comedy, which it's always really jarring to see that placed with them. But then other times it'll be XTC or Oingo Boingo. Those are the two bands I see. Oh with yeah, them Oingo the most. Boingo I can really see working like Diva. Devo is like one of the obvious things that just like they could be on like a they could be on a festival lineup together and it would it would wouldn't even it wouldn't even seem unusual to me. It'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oingo Boingo and the, They Might Be Giants. That makes sense. The one other band I've always heavily associated with They Might Be Giants has been Ween. Another like duo yeah, of for sure. weird guys making like pretty strange like postmodern pop music. They're just a lot more profane. Yeah, they're the evil. They might be giants. They really and they might are be just giants the evil. Are the they good might be ween. giants. That's I so what, true. One day I said I was like, um, <laughs> I made a joke about this. I was like, they might be giants. Like went to a private university and Ween went to a public university. That's like the difference Absolutely. between them. Yeah, <laughs> we are the public school kids. <laughs> they really are. I forget what Ween said about they might be giants. Greg, I think Greg said it. Like that they called him like just like, um, like they make music for, that's like too smart, <laughs> like almost yeah. something like that. Yeah, no, that that that's. Yeah. I, I I saw someone dis- describe them as like, oh no, it was it was the uh, it was the it was like a, a small. I think it was an onion piece that was like uh, they might be giants. No, that that was Weird Al. I was trying to think. It was like it was like a behind the music thing. 
it was basically a good joke about that. Oh no, though it, it was they might be giants because it talked about John Linnell's addiction to Tetris. I think that was the Onion anyway. I, was it the one where it was like talking about the behind the music like didn't have enough like? Yeah, but it's like I've also <laughs> seen that with Weird Al. So like that's the I've seen that joke enough times that I I confuse them in my head. But it's like yeah, mm. all their all their fans are are uh, computer programmers with pocket protectors. <laughs> wow, that's accurate. <laughs> um, and. I, because when I started listening to They Might Be Giants, I like didn't really notice a difference between the John's writing. I kind of just thought of them as like a collective monster. Um, and did you guys like, was there a point where you started noticing differences between like Flansburg and Linnell's writing? It took doing the podcast for that to happen to me. Like it, it wasn't until like I sat down with like the first album, looked at it like on a track by track basis, saw who all the writers were that I started to notice like the patterns that emerged, like when it came to each guy and like the specific like way they both tackled songs. Yeah, I think I think you kind of have to like I have to approach it from the perspective of I know who's writing the song and then I work backwards to try to like, you know, categorize them each in my mind. But I mean, it took me several years to even be able to tell their voices apart. Uh, I'm mm. very, very bad with that, <laughs> especially when they're both nasally, like they fit a very similar vocal profile. Like I, I can fully tell them apart now, but especially because like they'll do voices like they're not necessarily even singing in their own voice on it, especially some of the earlier songs where they like kind of inflect that country twang on one song precisely per album. <laughs> like it, like at that point it gets a little more muddled, but um, yeah, no, I I, I kind of got more into the like being able to tell them apart more a lot later because I think Flansburg writes a lot more literally a lot of the time, and uh, Linnell is often more 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 heady kind of stuff. But like at the same time, you'll get like a "Can't Keep Johnny Down," which is a fairly literal song uh, of John Linnell's. <laughs> And also yeah, one of the ones they cuss in. You gotta love that. I I love that there's like a tag that's just bad words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just get them all in one place. The tagging system on on this might be a wiki is is perhaps too good. Do you guys have a favorite tag? Ah, <laughs> uh, honestly, I've it's always probably, been a big fan it, of. Uh, go ahead, Matt. I, I it's it's probably bad <laughs> words for me. That one's just so funny. I've always been a big fan of like avoidance to work, which is like a whole subgenre of Flan songs. <laughs> yeah, he really he he really hates for someone who works as hard as he does. He hates work. I I kind of understand that it's like hating work in like the Protestant work ethic sense and liking work in the actual production of something that you want to do sense. Exactly. I mean, he hates, I like, hate the both varieties. Of work. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I've been like, I've been trying to fill time just like doing like kind of busy work. And sometimes it's like, if I find something that's like at least interesting for me in the moment, I don't mind doing it. But at the same time, it's like, I avoid several categories of job applications because I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to just want to die doing that. So I'm glad plans found something that's like, you know, fun to do at least. Another, another tag that I, that, that is, that is, that I just really like, even though I never played Kingdom of Loathing, I really like that there's a whole tag of Kingdom of Loathing reference, but the way the tag is phrased makes it seem like they might be giants are referring to Kingdom of Loathing rather than this is referenced in Kingdom of Loathing. And you could just tell it's one person on the dev team that's a big fan of they might be giants and probably that same person who created that tag and filled it out on the wiki. Yeah, and I mean, happy but sad's always a really good one. Oh, but that, that's yeah, their stock and trade. Totally. I'm just trying to find what the really fun... The I Am tags actually might be my favorite, because it's just <laughs> songs with I Am. First person song... Oh, Criminal Activities, another good one. <laughs> that one is very good. Um, because then you have... Then, at that point, you have to get into the idea of what makes crime. And, like, you know, you're, you're really getting into, like conceptual society when you're when you're trying to talk about like what constitutes crime and criminal activity it, like, it's just kind of a funny concept do they have to go and delete stuff when it becomes not a crime anymore i hope so i, <laughs> I can email them and ask yeah questions. it's like hey why is this here um that's all legal now thanks 
Swing feels another good one. Um, drinking. <laughs> I mean, I just looked it up, and she's actual size is surprisingly not under the criminal activity tag. You might have to get it in there. That that could be a mistake. Yeah. That could, <laughs> I found a, I found an error in the system. Yeah, we got we 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 must fix this one. I mean, that's the thing. It's a wiki. You can just do it. I think one question, this is technically my last question on my cue cards, but it's very general and it's kind of also very hard to answer, but it's like, to you personally, what makes They Might Be Giants so special that like you obviously you decided to do a podcast about them? Trevor, you go first. I think something special about them is that they really are just kind of like, I view them as like, the patron saints of like a very specific kind of like neurotic artsy nerd that I've like spent a decent amount of my time, like identifying as, you know, I feel like a lot of the stuff that they write and sing about frequently speaks like very directly to me. I think I come from like a very similar standpoint and it's also on top of that, just their, how prolific they are in that, like you're not allowed to forget about they might be giants. They have a new album out. They're touring again. Like you literally can't forget. You don't have a chance to. Then you get like, like let's say you're into a band like my bloody Valentine. They released their first album about two weeks after I was born. They released their second album when I was 22 like, that's just not a band that's present in my life. <laughs> Whereas They Might Be Giants have gone, like, maybe at most three years between albums. Because, like, I think... I, I don't want to go look at their discography and, and figure out what qualifies as an album versus an EP versus, like, a compilation versus a live album. But either way, the gaps are very small and infrequent. And the fact that they've always kind of been around and that they're cited as an influence for a lot of stuff I do like and listen to, even now, like, I'll get into a new band and then I'll, I'll look at an interview by them. So, like, I'll, I'll start getting into, like, Parquet Courts. And then there's an interview with the lead singer of Parquet Courts where he thinks that They Might Be Giants is the most punk band he's ever listened to. And he's right. And he's right. <laughs> and, like, I feel like there's, a, there's, like, a huge amount of like indie rock right now that owes a lot to them might be giants and like indie rocks a genre that like you know i can give or take some days of the week but it's still it is producing a lot of stuff that i like and uh they might be giants are definitely one of the prime influences for a lot of people who are sticking that kind of thing out the the idea is like you can just do your weird thing and someone's gonna like it and then hopefully i mean not as likely anymore but like at a certain point you can make a living off that kind of stuff and it's kind of, it's very inspiring in that way. And the fact that they just seemed so ahead of the curve on like so many things that became, like became and then maybe went and then like are the now kind of industry, like music industry standard things. I feel like they had a lot of good collaborators at a lot of really crucial times. Uh, the fact that they like locked in a producer for like their first couple albums and then immediately locked in another producer who's like still producing them to this day. Like having a, a go to producer, even when you're like, you know, going in and out of a record label, like that's pretty key. Um, they've always had like they've had a relatively stable band. Like they've had the same lineup now since like 2005, whenever Marty Beller joined, like a pretty like a pretty long time. And uh, like their guitarists have remained in the band like since the late 90s like they've had like really stable touring bands um i i feel like it's just like they they're talented but i think they had a lot of luck in their in their situation like the fact that they are able to move into brooklyn whereas that's something that's just like you just don't do that now you can't do it now you really can't it's so expensive and I mean, I think I heard, I think it was Anthony Fantano say, like, dial a song is basically proto music streaming, music streaming. Oh, yeah. That, that's very, bit, yeah. that's very, that's very paraphrased. But I mean, like, and with their podcast and like them putting music online exclusively, it's just, they seem so like creatively. And oh, yeah. I mean, look at like the They Might Be Giants podcast launched in like 2005. The iPod launched in like 2004. The concept of a podcast followed shortly after that, and they were already making one. That's nuts. That is so they ahead of the it. curve. 
like out of podcasts that are like really popular today that have existed for a while, like the longest ago any of them have started is like 10, 12 years. And like that podcast started 16 years ago. That's that's bonkers. And that's because they already had the basis of uh, of like releasing their music online because they had the first like only released online album. Like preMP3.com, they had uh, Long Tall Weekend online. I like yeah, an emb- embracing of technology. I think is another really big thing that got them ahead because like they they got in a l- early for a lot of this stuff. I just wish they like maintained their podcast feed better. But now there's other people who have done it, so that's 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 good. You, there's still access to all that stuff if you just go looking for it. Yeah, and I mean, like, I was watching them on 120 Minutes from, I think it was 92. It was probably right when Apollo 18 was coming out. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were, like, fingertips. It's like, so I have this setting on my CD player called Shuffle, and it's like, I can't, <laughs> like, I think about it, and I'm like, I can't even imagine that they're, like, there was a time when you couldn't shuffle music in a non-manual like moving of the record or skipping through songs since and it was like that was probably i mean i don't know how like new of a function that was in 92 but i mean they're already on top of it and wrote a killer song for it yeah they, they kind of uh gave up on the idea of it being like individual songs eventually because you know they just they play them in the same sequence when they play it live now they should mix it up though It'd be very hard, but like they're playing songs backwards at this point, so uh, I'm pretty sure they can literally do anything. Yeah, I mean, Flansburg saying, girl, you know it's true. I mean, that (laughs) is just the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And I mean, that's all the questions I have for you guys. If you have anything else you'd like to add about the Moby Giants or anything? I I think you covered everything pretty well. Yeah. I'm going to go edit that wiki now to make sure she's actual size is on the criminal activities tag. Yeah, no, if, if it involves crime, you got to get it in there. Because it's technically crime. It's technically crime. And then um, as, far, as for us, you can uh, you can find our podcast on Twitter at TMBG Fancast. Uh, you can find the podcast to listen to on Noise Space. Uh, it's noisespace.xyz or XYZ if you're American. Um, but like I make all the American hosts say X, Y, Z. So <laughs> it's my, Zed it's my cooler. podcast website. So <laughs> I mean, Zed does sound cooler. It does as sound American. really cool. And, uh, yeah, you can listen to all the episodes there. Um, including the episode of, uh, this might be a podcast that we did with Greg since, uh, our last episode was actually a crossover with his podcast. So he came on ours and we went on his, um, Basically, we will get back to it when we, you know, when we're when we're in the mood for it. That's like we, we, yeah, we didn't want to set a schedule on ourselves. Point. Yeah, exactly. It's like we 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 were just we were already doing the pod. We we started it thinking like, oh yeah, we'll do one of these a month, and then eventually we got to the point where um, they'd released more albums than we'd released episodes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of we kind of realized it's like okay, we'll just uh, we'll play it by ear. We'll do it when we feel like it. They're trying to make sure that they're like, we need to prevent them from making the episodes on time, release more albums. Yeah, well, we'll have material forever. We can we, we will never run out of stuff to talk about for this pot for this podcast. Exactly. And I can't wait to hear what you guys think about Mink Car, even though I know that's a ways away from where or no, I don't think it's actually it's that not, far. It's you not guys super stopped far. at factory like showroom. Yeah, we have like one episode or something to do before we get to it. Yeah, unless unless we do some in like the late '90s EPs, which we could do for mini episodes, because like yeah. there's some good stuff going on in those. There are I plus, like you know, a mini episode might be an easier way to get back into it. I think it's just Greg tired us out by making us do a two-hour-plus episode. That was a real marathon. <laughs> it was a real marathon session. <laughs> yeah, and then we I'm did the very to... long episode of his show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just really I'm glad we got in with Sense Around because it's like such an underappreciated track. It's yeah, that was so the first good. time I listened to it. And like now it's like maybe like a top 10 They Might Be Giants song for me. Yeah, and I hadn't heard, I hadn't listened to it until I heard your guys' episode. And I was like, this song kills. I, it, it not making the album will never make sense to me. It, 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 was, just, it was definitely okay. just a sequencing problem, though. They had nowhere they mm-hmm. could put it in that sequence of songs that sounded right. And like, I kind of get that. But at the same time, it's like, come on, make a song that makes it work. <laughs> Yeah. At least it played for five seconds in a Power Rangers movie. (laughs) 
that's me with weep day i mean i can't find any album to put it on like i can't like take out a song and sub in that to have it make sense but i'm just still mad that i'm like really this was safe for a compilation song so good i don't care if it's like a minute long <laughs> amazingly weep day uh it was covered by an artist uh named logan whitehurst who i would always recommend anyone get into there's in fact a podcast on noise space about all six of his albums uh, and he does a weep day cover and it fits right into album into an album he made it work mostly because am... his songs are sillier <laughs> Hmm. I will definitely have to check that out. 